Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Why don't you go ahead and find your seat? It's like, I don't even want to talk after that. I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> that was fun. Hey, welcome to church. Guys, I'm so glad that you're here. We're jumping back into the Clear Eyes, Full Heart series. We're in the Gospel of John. And remember, the point of this is we're saying the more vividly we see Jesus, the more filled our hearts become with his life and with his reality. We're going to do something. We're going to travel back in time from Jesus' time because we need to understand a really important Old Testament story before we look at what Jesus is going to tell us today. Now, the Old Testament, for those of you who don't know, that's like the pre-Jesus stuff. That is when the Israelites come into their own land and they're becoming the nation that Jesus is going to come from. And they've got a lot of lessons that they had to learn. And one of them was they were on their way to the promised land. And like we do... They were grumbling and complaining. Now, you got to know, these guys had seen some pretty doggone awesome stuff, okay? They've seen manna come from the sky that they eat daily. So, like, the miracles of God are huge, but they're complaining, and they're complaining against their leaders. And God says, well, you know, I discipline those I love, so I'm going to send poisonous snakes into the camp. And poisonous snakes come. Golly, don't, aren't you glad he doesn't send poisonous snakes after you? And they start biting people, and people start dying. And so the people get the revelation like they usually do after something like that in the Bible, and they turn to God. They say, Moses, would you pray for us because clearly we've sinned against the Lord. So this is Numbers 21.8. It says, then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Now, it's a poisonous snake because that's emblematic of the poisonous lips that they had. But we're going to see there's a New Testament counterpart that helps us understand this more deeply, and this helps us understand that more deeply. Before we do that, I want to do a little raise your hand test, okay? How many would say that you are a self-reliant person? Okay. Are you sure? Some of you I'm a little worried about. Okay, let's, let's do this. Have you ever paid your own bills? How's that go? Okay, thank God. Um, go a little harder. Have you ever, do you think you could change a tire if you were stuck on the side of a road? All right, some self-reliant folks. What about this? If we dropped you off in downtown Chicago with no car, nothing like that, how many think you could find a way to find your way home? All right, some self-reliant People. And it's good to be self-reliant. Like, there's a lot of things we get done when we're self-reliant. The problem is sometimes our self-reliance isn't so good because in a few cases, God is calling us to God-reliance instead of us-reliance, instead of self-reliance. So I was with one of my pastor buddies, Abram Delgado. He pastors over at Casa de Oración. And um he was giving me some feedback. Okay, sometimes pastors do this with one another. Like, hey, what, it, what does it look like from where you're sitting about how, you know, the rest of us are doing? He's in a first-generation Hispanic church. Okay, that's very different than the church that I lead. And I said, Abram, give me some feedback. What do you notice? What do you see? 
And he says, well, you Americans, that's how he refers to white people. Hey, anyone non-Mexican, well, you Americans, even though he is American, um, he's from Central America, that's all. But anyway, not to get technical, he says, you Americans, you're really optimistic, you're really like, go get them, but you don't sense your need for others. He's like, in my community, in Hispanic community in general, there's a greater value for being together and doing it together. And there's things that you guys just don't trust God about. You just try to do it on your own instead of trusting God. Well, I'll take his word for it. I think that's probably true. I think that's probably in American culture, even the way we were birthed as a nation. There's a lot of self, you know, let's go conquer the thing and let's, uh, you know, let's go fight the British or whatever it is. So we've got that in us. And Jesus is going to change just a little bit about it so that there's a really core center of God reliance. Let's look at Nicodemus. We're going to fast forward into the future now, 1,500 years. Here's Jesus. We're picking up where we left off before, John 3, verse 1. Now, there's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Okay, so let's review. He's Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That means he's on the Sanhedrin, okay? So that's a big, it's like a big, they're the people with all the power. If you, if you go pro as a religious person, you've got all the political power. That's the Sanhedrin. That's who Nicodemus is. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God. We know. Hey, Rabbi, we've been talking. Some of us Pharisees, some of us are more reasonable than others. I just want you to know, like, I represent other people. And he comes by night and says, or, or, a teacher, you're a teacher that comes from God, for no one can do the signs you do unless God is with them. He says, Jesus, I'm watching your miracles. And I'm, I'm like, how's this working? Because in some ways like we, we sometimes do, he senses, he can sniff out, there's God stuff about this Jesus guy. But he's just doing it so different than I've experienced before. Sometimes God is doing stuff around us that is different than what we've experienced, but we need to open our minds and open our hearts because Jesus might be trying to jump over some of our boundaries that we put up. And he's coming at night. Now, when, when John says that, John is the writer, when he says that, he's pointing out there's, go, going by night is two things are happening. One, he's He's kind of hiding. He's kind of ashamed. You go at, you do stuff at night that you don't want people to see, okay? So that's what Nicodemus is doing. He likes Jesus. He just doesn't want anyone to know about it. But the darkness also represents the spiritual darkness that Nicodemus is in. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Here's what I love about Jesus. He just tells you the truth. He's kind, but he's just direct, he senses Nicodemus is like, he's, he wants to talk about spiritual matters. Jesus knows what he needs to hear, so he just jumps right in. He's like, Nicodemus, here's the deal. Here's what you really need to know. Okay, I'm not, I'm not interested in the we that you represent. I'm not interested in, yeah, I know there's a lot of people that think you're really awesome, and they want your advice, and they want to have dinner with you. I just want to cut to the chase, Nicodemus. Here's what you need to do. You need to be born again. He's totally unimpressed. Now, when, we, when we, we hear you need to be born again, and I don't think we should assume that's good news. Like if someone is saying to you, Nicodemus, you need to be born again, they're implying there was something wrong with the first way. There's something wrong with the first birth that didn't happen or didn't take. And so no, we need to essentially fix it by being born again. But Jesus, he's super crystal clear about this. He said, you can't even see the kingdom of God without being born again. There's something about this thing he's calling being born again that opens your eyes to see spiritual realities that you didn't see before. Doesn't mean you didn't have any sense of spirituality. Jesus is just saying, Nicodemus, even you, 
Even the guy with all the letters after his name. Even the guy that's been religious his whole life. Even the guy that's on the ruling team. Even you need this. What is this born again thing? What does this mean? Well, theologians call this born again idea, it's the secret act of God where God imparts spiritual life to somebody. Here's what happened when you and I were born. You were born with a, I'm just, I don't have a good word for it, okay, so it's going to sound weird, so just flow at me, all right? You had a spiritual organ, and that spiritual organ allowed you to communicate with God and always sense his presence and always sense his delight in you. But when we fell, when the world fell, when humans rebelled against God and betrayed him, there was something about that organ got split down the middle. It was cut, it was wounded, and now no matter what we do, everyone that's born has that damaged spiritual organ. It doesn't work right. And Jesus says the only way to fix that is for you to have a different kind of birth all over again. It's not something you cause, it's just something that happens. Another way to think about it, it's like a walkie-talkie. You've got a walkie-talkie that's broken, and it still works a little. You can, you can get in some things, people say different things sometimes. So he's not saying, Nicodemus, you don't have any spirituality at all. He's not saying you don't know anything. He's just saying you can't quite get it to the frequency it needs to go because it's broke, and the only one that can fix it is God himself. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his womb and be born? I don't know what's going on with Nicodemus, man. I don't know if it's, just, it's maybe it's just late. Now, Jesus is too kind, okay? But I'd just be like, it's a metaphor, Einstein. Like, Jesus is too nice to say that, but that's what he's saying. Verse 5, Jesus answered, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Born of water and the Spirit. That's regeneration as well. So born again, they're all synonymous. That's what we're talking about. That which is born of, here's the principle, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He's saying, hey, Nicodemus, no matter what y'all do, you can only give birth to things like you. You can't give birth to things from heaven. You can't cause heaven to come to earth. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind, here's an example, Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. He says, hey man, you, you've seen the wind, you've seen, or you've seen the effects of the wind, though you've never actually seen the wind. And you can't, check it out, you can't cause the wind. God causes the wind. You can't even discern quite where it starts. You couldn't like be walking in a field and be like, oh, here's where the wind starts. You know, you can't do that because it's mysterious. There's a mystery to regeneration. There's a mystery to being born again. It is the gift of God. And Nicodemus, he's, he's tripping out a little bit. Verse 9, he said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Now this is a rebuke of sorts. He's saying, Nicodemus, you sit in this really exalted place and yet you don't know these basic things. Okay, regeneration by the Spirit was actually a theme in the Old Testament. Nicodemus, who probably had to memorize the first five books of the Bible by the time he was 10, if he's in this office, should have known the theme of it is the Spirit that has to give like. Think about places like Ezekiel eleven nineteen. God makes this promise, and he does it throughout Scripture. I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart so they will obey my decrees and regulations. Then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. 
Now, Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, do you not understand this basic thing? If you don't understand this basic thing, you're not going to understand greater things. Okay? So we need to start with the basics. Truly, truly, I say to you, now check it out. This is, this is here on purpose. We speak. Nicodemus came and said, well, we, we, I'm representing we, Jesus, and we want to know this. And Jesus says, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I told you of earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe heavenly things? Jesus, this is Jesus talking about the Father and the Holy Spirit. Saying, yeah, I represent somebody too. And here's the thing. Nicodemus, you've been in this box all your life. I've been outside the box. I can tell you things you haven't imagined yet. You don't have any books on heaven really in your library. I can tell you all about heaven. I'm just, Nicodemus, you brought a Crayola to a college course. You don't understand. And, and this is really important because there has to be a humbling of sorts. There has to be a recognition that, you know, Nicodemus is used to people really thinking he's all that in a bag of chips. And Jesus is like, yeah, not, not so much. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as, here it is, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Moses took this big pole, and there was a serpent on it. And anybody that looked at it, they would be healed of their sin bites. They would be healed of the very thing they caused. But what is God trying to do? God's trying to get them out of it. And Jesus says, I'm like that. God is using me when I'm lifted up. God is using that to get the world out of the consequences of rebelling against me so that anyone who looks on it, anyone who looks in believing faith on that Jesus on the cross, they'll be healed eternally. And here's where it is. Verse 15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Here's the famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We get kind of used to that verse, but it's really important just to remember that wasn't on a billboard somewhere in Jesus' time. He was intimating that to somebody in a private conversation, in kind of a secret conversation, telling him, Nicodemus, this is what you really want to know. And this word that he uses, will not perish, but have eternal life. That word is zoe life. It is spiritual God life. It's the life that begins when we're regenerated, when we're born again. So probably about three years ago, Kenzie and I have a friend named Diane, and she was dying. Okay, and she wasn't really that old. She was, you know, late 60s, and she had cancer. And we went to see her, and I was like, well, you know, Diane, what's going on? How are you, how are you managing the fear? How are you managing, thinking about this is, you know, this is like within the next month. How are you, how are you feeling about this? And you know what? She was really rather chipper, a, a bit bubbly, you might say. And she was like, you know what? I'm definitely not looking forward to the pain. But I've walked with Jesus my whole life. I've known him and I know where I'm going and who I'm going with. See, she had a revelation on Zoe life. Her Zoe life started when she was born of the spirit or born from above or born again. And it just kept right on going. And you know, it was, it was strong in her life, but it wasn't what it could be. And as she died, it culminated into what it was actually supposed to be, this ginormous, heaven-filled Zoe life with Jesus. But it's the same thing. Do you see this? It starts here. It culminates in heaven. 
And because this woman was so confident in the Jesus she knew, dude, I'm telling you, I don't know if you've been with people when, when they're approaching death. There's, there's usually two sides of the spectrum, okay? There's people that are really depressed and sad and freaked out if they're conscious. And then there's folks, yes, they're fearful, but they, they know somebody who's going to guide them right over that line. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. For everyone who does wicked things, who's that? For everyone, the clue is in the sentence. For everyone who does wicked things, it's everyone, everybody. That includes everybody. Everybody does wicked things. Everybody is fearful of the light. I'm gonna give you the longest bottom line in my history of preaching, are you, are you okay? They're supposed to be pithy, this one isn't very pithy, but hopefully, you know, it, it's going to help us get through the points. The costly cross of Jesus is the cure-all for the self-inflicted death sentence of sin for everyone who looks to him in faith. For everyone who looks to him in faith. It is, number one, self-inflicted. What did he say in verse 18? Whoever does not believe is condemned already, that he's not believed God is saying, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, I need you to know right away, this is not God's fault. This is something you did. It's not God's fault. You did the thing that caused the snakes to come and you to get bit. We need to understand this verdict is already in. Isn't that trippy? He said, Has, uh, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. This is hard to understand, but the verdict was in when you landed on the planet. A lot of people think God, when, when you stand before God, he's going to measure your, well, it's, it's, how's the good and how's the bad? And whichever one wins, you know, that's the one he's going to go with. No, according to Jesus, when you got here, God already knew your whole life. Now he's aware of the ways you've betrayed him, but the verdict was already in. He already knew what was going to happen. You were a God rebel. And the only way out of the consequences of being a God rebel is to look. Is to look at the man on the cross believingly, in faith. We're condemned already. Let's skip to verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Here's a really, there's a theological reality that's a little bit hard to, stand, hard to understand, so, so roll with me. Can y'all roll with me? Who's still here? Y'all still here? Okay. There is something in the fallen human heart, in that spiritual organ that was cut and now doesn't work right. That's a thing that loves sin. Now, you don't love all sin, and you might not love big sin, but there's something in your heart, even on a subconscious level, that loves sin. And here's the trippy part. Because you and I love that sin, our natural reaction to the bronze serpent is to run away from it. We don't, want, we don't want to expose it, man. Now, think about the Israelites. Okay, like they, they can see the bronze 
serpent off in the distance and they're, they're running for their, man, I've been bit. I got, I got to get to that thing so I can look at it. And instead of running toward it, they're like, I'm out of here. And they just go the other way. That's how berserk humans are <laughs> because of sin. That's where we are now. And the only thing that can heal that is looking toward the sun. Why wouldn't people want that? Well, because they got to push through this thing where they start to agree with God that certain things are actually evil. So when I got to university, when I was a freshman in college, I, you know, I, I didn't know what it was, but I sensed like God is drawing me somehow. I did not use that language. All I knew was, I think I'm going to check out some of like the Christian things here on campus. And I got this flyer, okay? And it just said all the Christian groups, okay? And there was four of them. <clears throat> and here's literally what I did. I looked for the one that looked like the weak saucest, okay? Like I looked for the one, I need the low challenge version. I don't want anybody messing with me. I don't want anybody confronting me. What is the bare minimum that allows me to do this? Because, and what it really was, was I don't want exposed. I know if I go to the, the, the folks that are going after it, you know, well then Jesus might start to deal with something in me. And so I ran the other way. Can I give you a, a dare? Ask Jesus to show you your sin. It's, it's a little scary. It's a little, like, it, it, hopefully it'll grip your heart when you see it, because it's there. But that's the necessary step. There's got to be a sense of, like, oh, I do need Jesus to clean me. The costly cross of Jesus is the cure-all for the self-inflicted death sentence of sin for everyone who looks to him in faith. Number two is cure-all. It's the cure-all. Being born again or born of the Spirit or born from above is the cure-all. The concept, again, it's something just like you didn't born yourself. How many participated in the sense of like having your will consulted when you were born? No, you didn't. You were just born. God did it. And we have to understand God comes and he plants this seed in us. When we believe God plants this seed, he stitches up that spiritual organ, he installs the missing piece in the walkie-talkie. And now, suddenly, things begin to come clear. So, you, know, you know what changes? Your desires start to change. Like what you want, suddenly you're uncomfortable around sin that you used to be like, this ain't no big deal. Because now the Holy Spirit is inhabiting you in a way like never before. What about this water thing? He said you need to be born of water and the Spirit. We need to have both of them, okay? So water, immediately we're going to think, and they're going to think, the hearers of this letter, they're going to think of baptism. And baptism really is a picture of what's happening. So we need to go past baptism and go to the picture of what's really happening. What that means is when someone got baptized in that time, what they were saying is, I need God to clean me. And I'm, I'm willing to admit it. I'm willing to go public with it. I'm, I'm willing to say, I too need cleanse. You see, it's not just that you need the Spirit. It's not just that, oh, God's going to give you this gift, and then you can just kind of go on how you go. No, there has to be this moment of, God, I agree with you that evil is evil. And I, I agree with you that I cannot clean myself. So yes, I need the Spirit of God, and I need him to clean me. And I can't get the Spirit of God on my own. The Spirit of God is like the sun. You can't make the sun. You can utilize the sun. But if anyone ever said, could you, 
get some sunshine, you know, just created in your garage for me. You can't do that because it's a way, thing that's way beyond you. The birth of the Spirit is way beyond us. It has to be God. That's why we're coming in faith asking, oh God, stitch up that spiritual organ. Here's number three, everyone. Everyone, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, here's how Nicodemus is going to hear that. Everyone? Nicodemus is sure, well, the Jews. Yeah, those who have already been a part of God's redemptive history, but not Gentiles. They're not going to be part of the kingdom of God. And that's how scandalous it is. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That is great news because it means something. It means that hell is 100% avoidable. 100% avoidable. Nobody has to go to hell because there's another verdict that is already in. It's the verdict of God's judgment on the cross. All the places that you and I have messed up, they were put on Jesus and then it was sentenced to death and it was murdered and that judgment has already happened. That verdict was also in before you were born. Anyone who believes they get Jesus' obedience and they get forgiven for everything they've done. And baby, that's just awesome. The thing that can keep us from it, though, if we're Nicodemus, is a lack of humility. See, if you're great, man, if people just think you're pretty awesome, people want to talk to you, or if you just think you're great, it doesn't matter which one it is, it's, a, it's really hard to come to Jesus and admit, you know, I'm embarrassed I'm afraid of what people are going to think if they see me doing this. So I come at night, Jesus. And we've got to press through that. Here's how awesome the gospel is. It's so narrow that if you're that religious like Nicodemus, you're rigorously religious, but you don't have a spirit birthed, born from above, fixed walkie-talkie from Jesus. The road is too narrow. You can't get through. You don't get to the kingdom of God. But you can be the most despicable, crazy acting, done the dumbest things person in the world. And the gospel road is so wide that it's open for anybody, for whoever will come in humility and say, I need cleansed and I need a new heart. And I look on the man of God in order to have it Jesus did something for you, and you, you, you have to not only believe it, you have to accept it. And it's so, it's so good. It's so wonderful. Jesus paid the bill. He paid the debt. He doesn't want us walking around feeling guilty all the time. Some of you might have been from a background where you know, people just kind of made you feel guilty. That's not God's will for you. That was very costly what Jesus did. And he, he wants you to know, hey, dude, I got you out of this so you would get out of it so that you would enjoy life to the full. Does that sound like a good deal for anybody? Me too. Let's go to number four. What do we do? What do we have to do? Well, we have to look to him in faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whomever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is the real bronze serpent. And he's telling Nicodemus, it's a deep cut, but he said, Nicodemus, you remember that story? I actually am that guy. 
And all you have to do is believe in me. Believe in my resurrection. Believe that I can give you that born from above new spirit. There's something that we don't see in this passage, and it is we don't really know what happens to Nicodemus after that immediately. Like, he doesn't, you know, ask Jesus to forgive him. He doesn't get on his knees and say, please give me this new heart. What we see is almost this following from afar thing that Nicodemus is doing. Like, he sticks up for Jesus a little bit in front of the other ones that are persecuting Jesus, a little bit. But then, in John chapter 19, after Jesus has been crucified on the cross, Nicodemus is there with one other person, Joseph of Arimathea. And Nicodemus is the one, all the other Pharisees, all the other religious leaders, they're like, kill him, kill him. They're excited about it. Now, Nicodemus isn't afraid to be seen. And I, I just can't, I can't help but wonder, did he look up at Jesus as he's about to pull him down and be like, I remember what he said. He said, and even as the Son of Man is lifted up, he will be the healing to the nations. He will draw all men unto him. And as he's pulling him down, does he, does he you know, I don't know, but I'm wondering if he's thinking, Jesus, you're my bronze servant. I look now. I couldn't step out about it. I couldn't be public about it before, but I'm, I'm being public now. Jesus, you're my only hope. You're my bronze servant. All my PhDs, all the things that I thought I knew, they don't matter at all. I need you. And I look to you believingly. So here's a question. Have you been born again? Have you experienced what I'm talking about? Have you had your spiritual organs stitched back up? Have you had the walkie-talkie fixed? Has God, has God returned on the engine? Because that's what he wants to do. I don't want to invite you into a religious experience like you've had so many times before. I don't want you to sign anything. I don't want you to work harder. I don't want you now to go out, you know, and help the poor by the end of the day or it doesn't take. I want to ask you, have you been born again? And if not, we're just gonna ask Jesus to do it right now. We're gonna come to him in prayer. We're gonna say, Lord, I look to you. I don't wanna just hear about it. I look to you. So let's have everybody bow their head and close their eyes. And we're just waiting before the Lord. Is that you? Have you been a Nicodemus of sorts, a little bit ashamed? A little bit hiding, resting on your background or what you know or your record of how you've done or how you've treated people in certain situations? Like Nicodemus, that's not gonna work. All you can do is look to Jesus and be healed. So with every head still bowed, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, and we recognize we ourselves have been bitten and we've caused some of the biting and there's no hope, there's no cure, there's no antidote for what sin has done to our hearts. We're asking you, Jesus, to stitch up the heart stitch up that spiritual organ. We're asking you, Jesus, to turn back on the walkie-talkie. We're looking to you to heal us because only you can. Jesus, would you forgive us? Thank you for dying on the cross for us. 
We ask for your God life to fill us in every sense of the word. We're asking you to make us uncomfortable with sin now. We're asking you to give us a level of boldness where we're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Now with every head still bowed, every eye still closed, I want to challenge you to do what Nicodemus didn't do at first. It's healthy to admit I too needed to look to Jesus. So no one's going to look. Everyone's eyes are still closed. But I want to give you that opportunity to come out of the darkness and identify yourself before the Lord. It's a healthy first step that increases our boldness as a Christian. On the count of three, I'm going to count, and you stick your hand up. Here we go. One, two, three. Stick up your hand if you're looking to Jesus right now. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the healer that you are. Thank you that you accept everyone who comes to you by faith. Thank you that our sin is cast into the ocean of forgetfulness. Thank you that you're going to take us all the way. It's going to start here, but it's going to culminate in heaven. Thank you that you won't leave or forsake us. Thank you that we were worth it to you to come and get. Now I want to hear a lot of clapping for all the people that raised their hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.